Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau a bread of lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and he rose, and he went away. Esau despised his birthright. How many know we can make stupid decisions when we feel like we're about to die? I was sitting and I was listening to a sermon one day at work. What the preacher was said was convicting me so heavily. I felt, I began to feel so uncomfortable, and I'm, I'm not here to exaggerate to you or lie to you. I could feel physical anxiety, physical feeling of anxiety. I'm not claiming that over myself, but I did feel that. I felt a physical weight like someone were to set a 25-pound you know, weight on my chest. Pain, emotions of pain began to flood in my mind and my heart. It was so much so that I turned it off. It was overwhelming. And instead, I decided to turn on an entertaining video. <laughs> How many's been there? <laughs> and you know, the strangest thing happened. You wouldn't believe it. It took all my anxiety away. It took all my pain away. I'm not kidding you. It went like that. And I, so puzzled by this, I said, I said, God, what in the world? Why is this taking the, my pain away, but not your word? And the Lord spoke to me immediately and said, you're not healing. You're just numb. And I'm going to preach to you for hopefully, there's not a clock up there, but hopefully not long. But you're not healing, you're just numb. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, the writer here, and if you weren't at Chris's class, I'd recommend you go to the podcast and you listen to that. And if you were at the class, I'd recommend you go to it and you listen to it again and you pray about it and you make that a habit in your life. I feel to say this. This is, you're responsible for holding on to this. Not your neighbor, not your pastor, not your friends. You're responsible. Because God's not going to look to your pastor on judgment day and say, why didn't they walk in this? Why didn't they obey this? The Bible says someone who hears the word but does not live it is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what he's seen. This thing, is the, this thing is a mirror to my soul. And the more I'm in it, the more it reveals the condition of my heart. So that I can fix it before I get to judgment day. Because on judgment day, it'll be too late. And you're responsible for that. Today, you're responsible for it tomorrow. You're responsible for it the next day. You're responsible for it the next day. You're responsible for it for the next eight years or however long you live. And anyways, the book of Hebrews, it, uh, 
The writer here is addressing the audience who is clearly enduring suffering and discipline from God. He begins to, rise, he get, begins to remind them that the chastening or the discipline, the emotional pain, is from God. And that's God receiving them as sons. He is disciplining them for their good. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My sons, be, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, he approaches, when reproached by him. For the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves and chastises every, every son whom he receives. For the Lord discipline, it is for the discipline that you must endure. Catch that phrase. It is for the discipline from God that you must endure the pain. God is treating you as sons. What son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, then you, which we all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers that we disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best for them. But God disciplines us for our good. That we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant and everybody says amen but later it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who are trained by it discipline is painful when you're going through it it's fun we all would agree that disciplining as a, a parent your children does your children good but for some reason it's a lot harder to get this concept between us and god But notice he reminds them to endure through the discipline or the pain so that they will be made holy and it will work for their good. Hebrews 12, 3 and 4, consider him who has endured from the sinners such hostility himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Consider Jesus who endured the, the most painful hostility you can receive Came unto his own, his own received him not. We persecuted, lied against him. He knew that some would die and curse his name. He knew that some would never come to repentance. He knew that some would never appreciate or understand the measure of his love. But yet he came and he loved. And he died for you while you were yet sinners. He pictured you while you were in your darkest moment, while you were in your darkest hour, while you were in your darkest sin. And he died for that person that you could resurrect in his life. That's the mercy of our God. And you're scared because you're going through a little bit of suffering. And you're experiencing a little bit of pain. And so you say, why, God? Why are you putting me through this? And then you're allowing the devil and you're allowing everything in this world to shape and mold your mind into thinking that God has something against you, that he hates you, that he wants to keep you from his blessings, that he wants to keep you from his promises. So you'll do anything to escape the pain. Even run from God. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. I want you to notice in the book of Hebrew, he's saying, he's addressing the, these people that are, whoever he's writing to, and he's saying, you're enduring suffering, the suffering's from God. And he's saying, but, but, but take faith in knowing that Christ endured this. And he's saying that it's working for your good. But he says, hold on and endure it. So if he's saying, hold on and endure it, then that means there's a, there's a way out of the pain. That's what that means. There's a way out of the pain. And this reveals to us, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Your way out is sin. The struggle 
is obedience to God through the pain. Hebrews 12, 15, and 17. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up in you and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled or spoiled like, like milk, good milk that spoils, and then it, everything, everything that comes out of it is just no good. It's just, it smells bad. Nobody wants spoiled milk. And then he says, this is where it caught me off guard. And I was reading this, just reviewing. And I read over this, and I didn't understand it, because it's just so random. It just drops in there. And it says, I'll read the first part to give you context. Root, root of bitterness springs up in you and causes you trouble. And by it, many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. And that repent, I'm not even going to try to say that Greek word, but it means to think afterward or change one's mind. And I was up here praying, and the Lord wasn't even thinking about that verse. I just, when I was reading that, I went over the verse, and I was like, that, I don't know why that's in there, but I'm not figuring it out today. <laughs> but I was at the church praying, and all of a sudden, God just, bam, gave me the revelation of it out of the blue. The context of this verse is enduring rather than embracing sin or relieved by sin. Esau was at a place of extreme hunger. He was vulnerable. I just want you to understand, I'm not outside the context of this scripture. This is in the book of Hebrews. He's saying, he's addressing the church suffering. And he's saying, you have a way out, you have a sin. But make sure none of you become sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Esau was at a vulnerable and emotional and physically worn out. He was hungry and he needed to be filled. He was at a place of weakness where he felt like he was about to die. He made a great mistake that cost him everything. He gave up the blessings of God for just one bowl of soup. And that soup isn't going to sustain Esau. It filled him for that one moment. It relieved his hunger for that one moment. It removed the pain for that one moment. It looks so appealing to our flesh when we are emotionally worn out. It looks so appealing to our flesh when we are in pain, when we are lonely, when we are grieving. When we are frustrated and bitter. It's an escape from the pain that we feel. You make one irrational decision. Disregarding the great reward of your obedience and endurance. And later you will come crawling back into the house of God at best. Weeping when your mind has changed. But you will be denied the great blessings and promises that God once had for you. 
And I'm not talking about salvation. Yes, the Lord will receive you back. He'll bless you with whatever he can at that point. At that point in your life, let me tell you something. This sin, it's got a way of keeping you in it. And it's got a way of deceiving your mind. It's got a way of making you feel justified in your sin. It's got a way of making you feel like you're safe even though you're on your way to hell. And I'm preaching this out of love. Let me tell you, I am preaching this out of a place of love. I have been burdened. God dropped this revelation in my heart. Oh, I'm so burdened because I don't want anybody to go to hell. You know why? You know why it's so easy to sin? You know why? You know why it's so easy to make a mistake? Because the devil knows. He wants your soul. He's offering you that bowl of soup, but he knows it's tempting. Even though it, it's nothing compared to the great blessings and promises of God. God loves you so much, he died on the cross. He's the one that created everything good you could desire. He's the one that created every blessing. He's the one that made everything good, but the devil has come with sin, and that is what's taken everything. Sin is what caused the grief in your life. Sin is what caused the brokenness in your life. Sin is what caused the hurt in your life. And it is the word of God that only, only gives life. Hear me, church. Truth is truth no matter what you feel. That's why I will never let go of this word, no matter what I must leave, no matter what I must give up, no matter what, how deep I must search in my heart, no matter what pain I must let go of, no matter what hurts I must give to God, no matter what pain I must endure, I will never let go of this truth. No matter how bad I hate the suffering, no matter how bad I may hate the pain, I'm going to hold on to this word because I know this word is on its way to eternal life. And I'm just hanging on for dear life. I'm hanging on with a bulldog grip as it's going. And I'll never let go. No matter what, what happens to me, no matter what I go through, no matter what suffering comes my way, I'll never let go. That soup isn't going to sustain you anyways. One bad decision of embracing sin to escape the pain, the moment, the momentary pain that you felt felt. It can cause you to lose the beautiful life God had planned for you. Oh, it's a beautiful life. I know you don't feel it right now because suffering is painful while you're enduring it. Oh, but it's doing a beautiful work in your life. Let me tell you, I know it's painful. I know it's hard. I know it's dark. I know there's been nights you feel like you're going to die of grief and loneliness. I know you're hurting. I know it's emotionally painful. I know, I know your heart feels empty. And I wouldn't be preaching this if I didn't know the reality of the pain. But I'm telling you, stick with it and hang on for dear life because God's putting you through this. And if God's putting you through this, it's for your good. And if you let go now to fulfill your heart's cravings, you're going to wake up one day once you realize it wasn't worth it. Once you realize the reality of what you chose and you're going to be grieved at the life you lost from sin, because of sin, just like Esau. You have, have you ever thought, have you ever thought of what uh, sin, I mean not sin, have you ever thought of what pain what life would be like without physical pain. 
Have you ever thought about that? How scary it would be? I mean, just imagine with me what it, what it would be like if your nervous systems didn't work. And you literally couldn't feel pain. I mean, I could, I could sit down and there could be a knife here and I would sit on it. And I wouldn't even know. I'm serious. I'd get up, I'd be bleeding out. I wouldn't even know it. Jonathan, hold your hand out. You know I can't preach a sermon without messing with you. Why'd you pull away? Because it was hot? Well, what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> Come on, Jonathan, you're embarrassing me. I thought you could do this. Chris? Donnie? You know why? Because it hurts. And it's painful. But you know, the pain isn't the problem, Jonathan. The problem is your hand's getting burnt. It's not the pain. Physical pain feels like a curse. But it is actually a blessing. It brings our attention to what is needing to be healed. Without the ability to feel pain, our bodies would not be alerted of the immediate attention it needs to be healed or the problem that needs to be resolved. That means, I'm not going to light it, Jonathan. Just put your hand on it. You have to trust me. We're pretending this is lit. Jonathan doesn't have feeling. He can't feel. He keeps his hand here. He's just resting it. He doesn't even know what his hand's on. Jonathan's hand is burning. His flesh is burning. And it's going to burn down to the bone. And Jonathan will never even know it. You know why? Because he can't feel the pain. But now Jonathan can feel the pain. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to rip his hand off that because he doesn't want to feel the pain. Because it's alerting Jonathan that something is immediately causing danger to his hand. His hand is sending pain signals to his brain. Or however it works. Yeah, I guess our hands aren't that smart. I'm going to give this to you exactly how the Lord gave it to me. Because this was hit me when I was driving my car. I was just thinking about it. It was like the strangest thought just hit me. And I was like, what would it be like to have, not have pain? I was like, I'm sitting here and I could be sitting on something sharp and I wouldn't even know it. Like, I mean, it, you would die. You would last a week. Because you wouldn't know what to stay away from. I mean, you wouldn't even know, like... You, wouldn't, you would have to be so observant and so careful that you didn't step on anything. And e- even then, like, I mean, anything could happen. You could have a dagger in your back. You wouldn't even know it. And so I started to study pain, how people uh, learn to deal with it, respond to it, and how their response affects the li- their life in a positive or negative way. And I read an article that I found most interesting, and it was a study on children. A child's mind is undeveloped. It reacts simply off instinct and human nature, since there isn't yet much wisdom, experience, or understanding. So I want you to understand, a child's brain just simply reacts off human instinct. The study was conducted on children who have experienced trauma or abuse, and, and uh, the, the study 
or abuse as a child. And it shows that children who experience excessive amounts of abuse learn to turn off their emotions to protect themselves from the pain. Because they're absolutely helpless. They're too little to fight back at their abusers, too young to run away. Besides, where would they go? The people who are supposed to love them are their source of pain. At the moment, at any moment of the day, their abuser could walk in and take advantage of them. At a sudden minute, they could experience physical or verbal abuse. So they learn to numb their emotions to take away the pain. It's an instinctive survival tactic they use to survive or fight back. This isn't my words. This is an article. And the study has proven that these children develop these dysfunctional emotional habits to protect themselves from the pain when it comes. And it hit me. These children represent human nature and our will to survive. When anyone experiences pain, physically or emotionally, it is completely natural for us to do anything to get rid of that pain. We just want it gone. And people who don't know God, and people who do not have their hope in the Lord, and they don't know there's a God that can take care of them. Here's what they do. When they experience pain, they learn to build walls up from that pain. They distract themselves from the pain like Esau. They comfort themselves from the grief with the hate and revenge. They fill themselves with more pleasures. They indulge in more sin. They increase how much entertainment they watch. They help them for, to help them forget about their pain. They spend more time on they spend more time on their phones to block out the pain. Some turn to drugs to escape it. Some try to party it away. Some try to drink it away. Why? Because it, they've learned it takes away the pain. And it does take away the pain. Let me be very clear. It does take away the pain. Like Esau, they'll do anything to escape their hunger. They'll sell anything to get rid of the pain. How do you think people get hooked on drugs? You think they imagine themselves homeless under a bridge, baked out of their mind? I'm just food for thought. Have you ever talked to a homeless person and you're, you, you see this like you're trying to help them, you're trying to like encourage them, and every word that comes out of their mouth, they're just a victim. They're just, you know, it's everybody else's fault. And, and I, I'm not being harsh. I'm being real. And this isn't just... This is, a, this is many, many people. But this is a reality. And you're just thinking, if you would just look within yourself and see that you have the ability and the, to change these things, to change the way that you're living, you could have a better life. But sin always has a way of keeping you trapped and deceived. And that's why it's so scary. Like Esau at very best, at the grace of God and the mercy of the Lord, you'll experience enough pain to come crawling back in the church. And hopefully there's still enough there. Still enough time left in your life. Still enough health in your body. For God to bless you with whatever way He can. The problem is within you, and the Lord spoke to me while I was praying up here, and he told me, you're trying to get rid of the pain without solving the problem. 
I'm telling you, the pain is not the problem. It's warning you of the problem within you. And the more you try to numb that pain by filling yourself up with distractions and worldly pleasures, the less sensitivity you will have to the truth and how it is affecting you. Jonathan, if he doesn't have feeling and he sets his hand on a, on a burning hot, or a, a, a fire, whatever, he sets his hand on a burning hot pan. Jonathan doesn't have the experience or the, the ability to feel pain. He's not going to have the sensitivity to the truth. And you know what the truth is? That pain is going to burn his hand if he touches it. And if he keeps it on there, it's going to sizzle through his flesh, down to the bone. That's the truth. And you can't escape the truth. You can't get away from the truth. You can be numb to the truth, but you can't escape the truth. It's going to affect you. I'm telling you, I'm burdened in my soul because the devil is a deceiver and he's a liar. And I'm trying to get this through to you. Sin... Sin has nothing for you, I promise you. It only looks appealing. This is truth, and no matter what makes you feel, it's truth. Hold on to it. And you're going to be blessed. And the longer Jonathan, the more Jonathan numbs himself, and the number he is to the pain, the less sensitive he is to that fire and how it's burning him and how it's affecting his body or in a spiritual sense how it's affecting our soul Jesus when you opt out of the chastening from the Lord and you embrace sin to escape the pain. Make no mistake, you will be burned. But here's the scary part, you will lose the sensitivity to the truth. The pain is hurting you and how it is affecting you negatively. You hide it, the pain, by shoving it down somewhere in the back of your heart, build a hundred foot wall up, 50 foot thick. By distracting yourself from it, you can fill yourself with entertainment and laughter and, and friends that will help you laugh the pain away and even hate like Esau. And the pain will go away, but you will not be healed. Hear me, you will not be healed. You'll be walking around with a bleeding soul, flesh hanging off your arms, and you'll always be asking, why does this always happen to me, but never recognizing what the problem really is. Why? Because you can't feel pain. You've numbed yourself emotionally to protect yourself from feeling the pain that God is trying to use to get your attention, to show you what's inside of you. You'll be carrying that hurt and brokenness around because you've refused to face the pain, you've refused to endure and yield to God in prayer. And everywhere you go, you'll hurt people you don't want to hurt. Over and over again, but constantly moving on to another thing or distraction because it's just too hard to feel the pain. But the pain is there not to hurt you, but to alert you of the problem so that you can be changed and by doing it healed. You think you can just go on and have your fun, indulge in pleasures, and nothing's going to happen to you. Here's what the Bible says about that. Hebrews 10, 26, 31. And I am reading this to get your attention because it got my attention. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there, 
no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. And anyone who set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much more or worse punishment you think you'll deserve by the one who has trampled underfoot on the son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace you have outraged the spirit of grace because you know the truth yet you go to your sin and you know that Jesus Christ came to die for your sins and you trample on his great you trample on the grace of the Lord when you deserve sin and you deserve you deserve death and God paid a price for you, yet you willingly walk in your sin to resist the pain. And God says, God loves us so much. There is a love that when you hurt God over and over and over, and you take advantage of his grace and his mercy and his kindness, oh, how it hurts him. And you blaspheme his name with your thoughts, and you, and you, and you accuse him of evil against you. And you run after your flesh, and there's a place where God says, you have, you have taken advantage and ran over my mercy. You have trampled me on the cross, and I cut off my blessings from you. You know what the judgment of God is? Letting you be deceived, not believing, not showering you with truth. I've prayed that God, everybody going in their sin, God, cover them with truth. God, cover them with truth. Have mercy, Lord. Don't cut your truth off from them, God. So I'm telling you, you can have your sin, but there's coming a day where you'll lose your grip and sense and all sensitivity to the truth. So go on. Keep living how you want to live. Numb yourself from the emotional pain you feel. Go. Fill yourself up with whatever makes you happy in the moment. Fill yourself with whatever takes the pain. Whatever fills your hearts with this craving. Go and blame God for your hurts. Blame your loved one, the people trying to help you. Blame them because it's easier. It just seems to take the emotional pain away. Go fill yourself with pleasures. Go, go. Go be drunk and marry. Go live however you want to live. Because the pain will go away. The pain was never the problem. It was only to reveal the problem in your heart. And you are condemning yourself to hell. But remember, you chose. You chose, Esau. You chose to ignore the truth of what was hurting you. You chose to numb the pain with sin and ignore the problem in your heart. So don't be surprised when it takes everything from you. Don't be surprised when it strips away everything, leaving you only with brokenness and bitterness and hatred and dysfunctional relationships and death, leaving you stranded in your own deceit, alone because you have abandoned the truth. Oh, God. Don't be surprised when it burns away at your promises, your joy, 
relationships with everyone who truly loved you. And most terrible of all, your soul and your salvation. For you trampled over the grace of Jesus Christ who suffered more than you could ever for your sins. Don't be surprised if five or ten years go by and your life is a living hell. And I know you'll blame everyone else when it does because I've seen it happen many, many times. That's the delusion of sin. Just like Esau, because that's the life you chose, a life ignoring the truth, rejecting the truth of God of your, and of your own heart. Stuck in your delusion. Let me tell you, in this short life, pain serves a great purpose for your soul. It is there to alert you of something within your heart that is wrong. Something that is holding you, hurting you. Something that you're looking at, touching, or desiring. It's hurting you. It's keeping you from God's blessings. I'm going to read a scripture, Hebrews 4.11. I don't know how long I've been going. Hebrews 4 and 11 through 13. Let us therefore strive to enter the rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from it. No creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we have to give an account. You can't hide from truth, but you can numb the pain and deceive yourself. The pain is there to give you a chance to heal and examine your heart before God judges your heart for all of eternity. We can only examine our heart through pain. There is something about pain when you yield to it, that will show you every little thing in your heart. But ironically, the ones who seek to escape the pain in this life through sinful pleasures will forever in the next experience a pain so great it will cause their bones to ache and their skin to crawl. It's all the pain you ran from screaming out all together at once to remind you the truth of your own heart and its condition. And it will be too late to change your heart then. It will last forever. The agony, the emotional pain intensified a billion times over. Forever alone with the life you chose. Forever alone with your corrupted heart and rege from rejecting the truth to numb the pain. But you will find no chance to repent because the pain is just useless agony at that point. Here's Esau coming into his father's tent to receive the blessing because... He thought, I'll be safe, even though I persist in going my own way. Just a little sin. When he realized the blessing was gone and the bowl of soup no longer sustained him, no longer did his indulging in his pleasures fill him, he wept. Genesis 34, I assume as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, my father. Isaac tells Esau, I have blessed your brother Jacob, and it cannot be undone. Then he blesses him with whatever he can. He tells him, by the sword you shall live. And let me tell you, 
you're still, to receive that blessing, you're still going to have to endure the pain. Once you come crawling back for the blessings of God, to receive what left God can bless you with, you're still going to have to endure the chastising to receive it. You're still going to have to endure the pain to receive it. Oh, and I pray that God brings you back crawling on your face so you don't, so you don't miss heaven. So you don't feel that pain forever in hell when you can't get rid of it. And it serves no purpose. I'm telling you right now, if you let bitterness grip your heart towards the people of God and towards God himself, and you go indulge in sin and the passions of your heart, by the grace of God at very best, you'll come back weeping from the life sin stole from you. God will just be forced to hand you whatever he can. Oh, mighty God. Genesis 27, 36, he said, if he not rightly be named Jacob, for he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he takes away my blessings. And he saw hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father blessed him. And he saw said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching when I will kill my brother Jacob. And Esau comforted himself. By planning to kill Jacob. Why is it when we're, we're always blaming everyone else for the mistakes we've made? Because that's what Esau has learned to do. It's just easier that way. It's just easier to escape the pain. The pain goes away when I just hate Jacob. It's easier just to blame Jacob and hate him. And to vow my life to revenge. Than it is to realize, oh God, I messed up. I sold everything for sin. That's hard. And that's painful. And you've got to endure some lonely nights when you go that way. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to look at your heart truthfully. There's a lot of lonely nights when you see your real motives. When you see your real hurts. When you receive chastising from the Lord through hostility from people. When you are confronted with the pain of the truth. You will be tempted with bitterness. The Bible says bitterness is like poison to the soul. And it will cause you to spoil. You will indulge in your sin and delusion. Why? Because you're angry and mad and you feel justified in your bitterness. The Bible says those who say, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way after idols. They will bring disaster upon their land and the Lord's wrath and zeal will burn against them. And I'm hurrying and I'm, weary of the, I'm uh, aware of the, and I've gone about 45 minutes. I want to turn to one more story. Joseph's brothers. Joseph's brothers were hurting and craving their father's love. They were jealous of his favor. They just wanted to be loved by him. 
I mean, read, this, read the story. It doesn't plainly say that. But it, it insinuates that. They were jealous of Joseph's love from his father, from their father Jacob. But because it was too painful, and the pain was too great, and the jealousy was too real, and the hurts were too real, they turned to hate to comfort themselves like Esau. They hated Joseph. Bitterness began to consume them. Hatred really will take your pain. Here comes innocent little Joseph, whom his father sent. And I can picture him. What's my brother doing today? I can see him now with his back against that well after they tore his clothes and threw him in. I can see the horror on his face with the knife that was stabbed through his heart. I see the tears streaming down his face and the grief that consumed him as he heard his brothers talk of killing him. I see the tears rolling down his cheeks. I can feel the rejection, the abandonment, the humiliation, the pain that consumed his heart in that moment. And I'm sure he was undoubtedly overwhelming. Genesis 42 and 21. Then they said to one another, in truth, this is later on in the story of Joseph when they're talking amongst themselves before Joseph and they don't know it's Joseph. And they say, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brothers that we saw him in his distress of his soul when he begged us and he did not listen. They heard the distress of their little brother's soul. They heard him begging him with tears to not do this. Let me tell you, that's what sin will do to you. You start out as the victim, hurting, broken. Hurting because your father, the rejection you felt of your father's love like Joseph's brothers. And that bitterness gets a hold of your heart and that sin begins to conceive inside of you. It starts to spoil your heart. I know it was hurtful what they did. The things they said to you. I know it wasn't fair. I know it wasn't right. I know you might have cried yourself to sleep many nights over what they did. I know the agony that might, have haunts you, might haunt you in your thoughts. And I'm telling you, your bitterness and your hatred is not the answer. It's not the answer. It will harden your heart so fast. It's like a poison to your soul and the people you love will be brutally wounded and you won't even care. Jacob grieved as his sons told him the news. He refused to be comforted by them because you see, sin never solves the problem. It only numbs your pain for a little while, bringing you more brokenness. And that is the truth. The most beautiful thing is all 
is throughout Joseph's most his many nights alone, with nothing but his thoughts driving him crazy and bringing him to much grief, I'm sure. How could his brothers do this to me? Has he lifted out of the well and given to be tied behind the wagon, sold like an animal into slavery by his own brothers? They had no shame, no care in the world, no love. Oh, the darkness and the grief I know Joseph must have felt in that moment, reaping the pain of someone else's sin, reaping the pain and the grief and the darkness because of the, the condition of someone else's heart taking the blame, enduring the hate and the pain and the hardness of their heart. Joseph had to endure. Oh, the question must have tormented him all day long and kept him up at night. He had nothing to distract him, nothing to go to. He had no entertainment to help him hide his pain. He had no friends to help him laugh his hurts away. He had no social media to consume his heart to help him forget about his brokenness. He had no stuff to distract him. He was all alone. It was just him and his pain. Just him and God. And it's funny how when you're all alone... You'll find out who you really are when you leave everything behind and you get alone with God and you say, you know what, I'm sick of it. I'm yielding to the, to the pain. I'm surrendering to God. And you leave everything behind. You leave every distraction behind. You separate, your sin. You separate yourself from every friend that is going the opposite way as you, of you. And you separate yourself from every distraction. You separate yourself from sin. Oh, it's amazing how those motives in your heart become clear. It's amazing how the intentions of the heart become clear to you. It's amazing how your desires become clear. It's amazing how the brokenness, the unforgiveness be rises up inside of you. You can't hide from it. It rises up and you're forced to deal with it. Some of you have been hitting walls in your walk with God, and I felt this in prayer. And you don't know why. But I want to tell you, you built those walls. You built those walls to silence the voice of God, the pain that was crying out, trying to help you. It's so amazing and beautiful when Joseph seen his brothers, he didn't Curse his he didn't curse their names in anger. He never asked them why they did what they did. But once he seen their transformation was genuine, he said, what you did for evil, my God, meant for good. He opened his home to his brothers. He showed them his forgiveness. His whole family was brought into Egypt. And let me tell you, what happened to you might have been horrible. And what they did to you might have been evil, hurtful, and cold. But like Joseph, love come. come conquers a multitude of sins and everything you endure for God and everything you go through for God it all works out for your good you're blessed no matter what you're blessed no matter what you hold on and you're blessed you will not regret your endurance. You will not regret your obedience. You will not regret when your blessing comes. You will not regret when you're walking in the joy of the Lord. You will not regret when the blessings overwhelm you and your heart is full of the goodness of God. And from your heart flows goodness. Oh, you won't regret but the thankfulness that will come over you.
There's only one way to heal. Get alone with God and face the pain. You hold on to that. You believe that. You walk in that. There's only one way to heal. When you are feeling pain or the chastising from the Lord. And that is you endure. You endure. You endure the pain. You get on your face alone with God and you pray it away. Every time it comes. Proverbs 4 and 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Because that's where the blessing flows. It's from your heart. When you get your heart right, when you fix the problem, everything around you just begins to heal naturally. When you take your hand off the pain, when you take your hand, or if you take your hand off the fire... It's amazing how the pain begins to heal naturally. It's amazing how your hand begins to heal naturally. And let me tell you something. When you endure your pain for the Lord, it's amazing how when you pray your way through and you endure, it's amazing how when you fix the problem in your heart, how the blessings will just, your life will just heal. And there'll be blessings all around you. Why? Because there's blessings coming out of you. It was the love of Joseph that conquered You know why bitterness is like a poison? Because once somebody hurts you, you get bitter. And then you hurt everybody else around you. And then they face the bitterness. And then if they get bitter, it consumes them. They hurt everybody else around them. And it just consumes your heart. Because that's what sin always does. It hardens you. It deceives you. And it steals your blessings. It is only love and the truth of God from which the blessings flow. When you get your heart right, when you get your heart right, when you get your heart right, everything you do will bless you. The Lord showed me this through a sermon by Brother Shatwell called The Tragedy of a Wounded Soul. And if you haven't listened to that and you're related to this message in any way, I'd listen to that. This is what I felt. And I have practiced this. And let me tell you, it will heal you. Every time you feel the pain... And every time those hurts come up and rise up in you, you get on your face in prayer. You say, God, I forgive them of what they've done. You begin to explain to God how it hurts you. I don't care what it was. I don't care how little, how big. You begin to explain God how it hurts you. You tell God every detail. You tell God... Lord, I forgive them. And you picture, their, you picture their face in your mind and you say, God, I forgive them of what they did to me. And then you pray that their sins be wiped away. And you tell God, you say, God, I will never hold it against them. Oh, and don't call me on judgment day because I will never speak out against them. You will not hear from my mouth, oh Lord. Anything against them, oh God. And you begin to pray for their soul. And then you forgive yourself of anything you've done, any mistakes you've made, anything you hold against yourself. And then lastly, you forgive God of anything in your heart. Not because God did anything wrong, but this is about the condition of your heart. Anything that you hold against God, you forgive Him of it and you let it go. Oh, how it will heal you. And I'm coming to a close. Musicians can come.
I, I, in prayer, in the prayer room, and I felt to share this even more so than ever. I've seen people in their darkness swinging a sword, exhausted, swinging it around. They were dark. It was dark. I couldn't see anything. And then it come out and I became clear to me that what this sword was doing was piercing everyone around them who loved them. It was cutting deep into everyone around them. Then I saw the sword drop. He fell to the knees and to weep before God. And the Lord immediately then flashed Peter in my mind. And I seen Peter swinging the sword. You know the story, cutting the guard's ear off. And I just seen this. And the Lord said, put down your sword, Peter. And I seen it flash to Peter connecting with Jesus' eyes as he looked to him after he failed him miserably three times. And the Lord spoke to me. told me, you cannot be healed until you realize the fight is within you. The problem is within you, Peter. You can stand. Let me tell you something. The pain is not your problem. The people are not your problem. God is not your problem. The spiritual stuff is not your problem. The problem is within you. And until you forgive them, it will come out in everything you do. Until you cling to the Lord and endure the pain, the discipline from God. It will come out in everything you do. You can begin to play, Carrie. I wonder if we could come up and find a place to pray. And really seek God in our hearts. Really find a place in God and you be honest with yourself. These altars are open. I so 